0: doing? Welcome to episode fifty-three of the Inns Above Replacement Podcast. Episode fifty-three: The Milky Cabrera, gone but not forgotten. Johnny Barbado, gone and maybe better let forgotten. Cal Lobstein, Lobstein, and James McDonald Memorial Episode. I am Rob Beertownfel. I cover the Pirates for the Athletic here in Pittsburgh, and I am joined by the resplendent.
1: Stephen J. Jay Nesbitt. Rob, you don't want to hold on to 53 for too long. People don't stay in that. Uh, the <laughs> no, lobber, the lob scene didn't stick around for too long. Um, but hey, here we've got a great guest today. I know everyone is, uh, the podcast world was shaken by the Jason Kendall interview last week. And we said no better way to follow it up than with reliever prospect Blake Cedarland, who was uh, quite the talk of spring training for basically the whole time it existed this year. I, uh, Rob, I was down there, uh, for the workout portion of spring training at Pirate City and immediately you noticed this kid who, 24 year old reliever who came on in a big way last year after having, uh, quite a few troubles with his command and the low minors had a pretty inflated, uh, um, ERA at every level until last year he really found something in an ability to, uh, add a sinker to his repertoire. He throws triple digits. He's got, uh, you know, a cutter. He's got a change up. So he's got all the tools. And if he can develop it, I think this is going to be a guy who turns into a heck of an arm in their bullpen. So last year he goes uh, up three levels. I think it was Bradenton, Altoona, Indianapolis. And, uh, and then ends the season in Arizona Fall League and was added to the 40-man roster in the offseason, came to spring training, and, and the first day of, of, uh, I think live BP, I remember getting a look at him. This kid has, he, he's about the definition of California cool. He's got, uh, long blonde hair. Uh, he, he grunts as he, as he lets the ball fly. And, and I walked over to our manager's session right afterward. Uh, after that session, I had to ask Derek Shelton, uh, like what do you think about this kid? I mean, do you know his name yet do you what do you think and um, I thought it was pretty entertaining, and here's what uh here's what Derek Shelton had to say
0: that day., ah, that was fun to watch today a little noisy that's, yeah that's yeah, it's noisy it's loud i mean the ball ball jumps out of his hand, so you know somebody asked like what was one of the more fun things to watch today watching you know you get the blonde hair flowing and you get the sinker going, yeah that was cool to see that's the first time actually seeing it live and yeah that that'll make you smile,
1: so there you have it. That is an intro to Blake Cedarland. We're going to get him on the phone here in just one second. Um, kid from Turlock, California. And Rob, I want to, I want to say the reason that I think this guy has a pretty important uh, future with the Pirates is you've heard me harp on the fact that they have failed to develop relievers for a long, long time, right? They had Tony Watson and Jared Hughes. We keep going back to them are the last mm-hmm. guys that really, really impact Relievers that they developed from within, maybe Edgar Santana withstanding, and, and a little bit yeah. of TBD with him, and he's a much older prospect. So Cedarland, if he can harness everything, is super exciting, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of strange that they really haven't developed a lot of starters on their own, even though that's one thing the Pirates had for a number of years under Neil Huntington was they had some pretty decent bullpens. He was able to right. to pull guys from the waiver wire, from you know. Throw toss ins from trades and 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 free agent signings, minor league free agents, and and cobble together some pretty effective bullpens. And the thing is, I mean, for so much of, of the the homegrown aspect of the of, of the pirates being the philosophy they have to follow, you'd like to see them maybe develop some of their own. You know, relievers, guys who can, who can be here for a while and really settle in. Uh, it's kind of a fickle business though, being a reliever, you know, yeah, it can yeah. go back and forth. So, and that's something we can address too with Blake is just the mentality of, you know, not only from game to game, but season to season ups and downs of being a, uh, a bullpen guy, especially a, a high leverage guy.
1: So without further ado, we go to the man with one of the best strikeout struts in the game, and he's only a triple-A arm at this point. He's out in his sunny backyard in Turlock, California. Blake, how are you doing? How are you holding up in this uh, this baseball quarantine?
2: Uh, so far, so good. But first off, I want to thank you guys for, for having me. Yeah, it is nice out. Um, hopefully we don't get too much... Outside noise, but like I said, it's nice.
0: I've been sitting inside my house in my home office for six weeks, Blake, and I've seen nothing but the same old stinking walls every day. So please walk over uh, toward the bird, talk to the bird, get the bird. To yeah, talk no, to you.
2: no kidding, I know. I've I've been trying not to stay cooped up but yet follow all the rules of you know, the whole quarantine. Yeah. What are you?
1: I guess what are you able to do? Uh, Training wise, throwing wise. Uh, I know you you have a little bit better weather than than we do. but <laughs> What can you do to to stay prepared until baseball comes back?
2: Well, yeah, we. I got an awesome setup out here. Uh, a lot of the times, I'll just go to the junior high, and uh, there's there's a concrete wall up there. I put a strike zone up, and I just work hitting corners, throwing different pitches, and the ball bounces back to me. The only thing is, is I go through, you know, a ball a day. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> I got to start finding ways to get baseballs or throwing. Like I've been throwing a lot of minor league balls and whatnot because I just need the repetition. And then working out—that's been the toughest. Is you know I'd like to have a home gym, but um, really just poolside workouts or doing some push-ups. Actually, at at the junior high, I'll jump on the rim and then do pull-ups off the basketball hoop. So. You know, just just staying active. Yeah, kicking field goals. I put that on my Insta. Just trying not to go crazy, I guess.
0: The arbitration years are for buying the home gym and the and the the peloton and for sure. Like right,
2: that. we, we got to get there <laughs> first. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is that one of the drawbacks, Blake, of, of throwing the ball 100 miles an hour? That you sort of basically burn them up at a rate of one ball in a session? Or yeah,
2: no, that's <laughs> it. And then I keep them all in the back of my car. And, I, and sometimes I don't have baseball, so I'm like, all right, which one's not the worst? <laughs> 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 it's it's it's. I like it though. Like I like the routine. It's nice being around family this much and spending that much time with my girlfriend. But I was saying earlier to you guys, uh, just the whole structure is is weird. Like not mm-hmm. doing anything.
1: I noticed that that video of you kicking. I don't remember how far it was, but it was a, a long way. Do you have a, a football or soccer background?
2: Uh, I played a little soccer as. Um, like as, not as a teen, even younger than that, but no, then I really just focused baseball, played a little bit of football and I happened to be the kicker. So yeah, and then actually one day at, at, uh, at practice before we, we had the football out and all those guys were messing around and I, you know, I set the ball on the ground. I went and kicked some and it went really far and the guys were like, all right, let's see that again. So I put it down. And I kicked it even further and then they're like, hold up, <laughs> hold up. And then Arch wants to hold it now for me. So I'm like, all right, tilt it a little bit forward and I have Chris Archer holding this football. And I'm like, trust me, I'm not gonna kick your hand, you know. But uh, (laughs) he he was he was all in, he trusted me, he said it there. I booted one, and then Musgrove hops in and he's like, All right, now we're gonna get up to game speed. I think Crick hopped on the other side, Ponce was now now we have a defense. I have six foot five, six six Joe Musgrove snapping the ball. Chris Archer holding it, and they want to run game speed. I got Shelton and a Oscar behind me. Like, there was so much pressure, and all I wanted to do was get it up. I didn't, I didn't, because we were seven yards out or whatever, uh, the field goal is. And... Oh, talk about pressure, man. That was worse than being out there in the ninth trying to shut a game down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude, those are some expensive hands on your holders that oh, you gotta be careful with it. Yeah. When you swing your leg.
2: <laughs> Bro, dude, I was, yeah, I was just a little nervous going into that. I'm like, just get it up and over him. Cause if I kick that on a line or miss it or something, that, that ball's going fat, like I could hurt someone, so I just didn't want to be a liability.
0: Uh Stewart special teams have kinda of stuck past couple years. So if this whole baseball thing doesn't work,
2: no, it was fun. I went out with uh my girlfriend in the high school and I I put the ball in the fifty, I, I bought a kicking tee, and I actually believe it or not, I wanna get a video I want to get a video from sixty, but uh well, well it was sixty. It took me three attempts, but I got one through from 60 off the ground, which is off turf, too. Turf doesn't have much give once you if you take a divot. Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't know. The way you're explaining it, kicking 60-yarders, uh, pull-ups on the rim, 100 miles off a of cement of wall, like, it reminds me a lot of the workouts <laughs> I've been doing at home. So I, I sure. feel like <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think I can relate. But I, I wanted to take you back to – so I, I met you at spring training this year. Uh, you know, you, you have the look of – uh, you know, this California cool long blonde hair look. Um, and then I think I basically went straight from Bradenton Spring Training to Turlock, California. I probably freaked out all the other reporters who thought that I was going to do some big, like, <laughs> some big feature on you and Kevin Kramer, the, uh, guys from Turlock High. But actually my, my brother was getting married, uh, right in downtown Turlock mm-hmm. and that's where his, his, his in-laws are, are from right outside of Modesto. And that that's right. Is, yeah.
2: We, we talked that, that time
1: yeah dude. It's an unbelievably cool part of California.
2: It's not bad right i mean it it's not all great not but for a location um hour thirty from the beach, hour thirty from the mountains yeah it's not bad mhm. How was the wedding? Yes. How, how was all that?
1: It was hey successful it was great, great family, great people out there we We did the bachelor party out in Yosemite uh and just like rented a a lodge out there That's and this beautiful. is this is like this is like a week before everything shut down so we we just Snuck it in. It was a a majestic yeah, time and to everything, right? And, and the whole area around there is so at that time of year, especially so beautiful with all the almond groves and the trees. Can you give us a little bit of a uh, a background on on first just what what life is like around Turlock, what uh, what the industry is like around there, and then the baseball scene around Turlock?
2: We got some some young kids coming out of here, and also some uh, guys in pro ball already who are starting to take off and. Just like, everyone's feeding off each other around this area. We're all getting together and training, you know, uh, doing doing live BPs and and uh, catching each other, and whatnot, just working out together, feeding off each other. We got Brett Cumberland, he's with the Orioles. Dalton Jeffries with the A's, and then uh, Tyler Soderstrom, Cole Carrig, a couple a uh, couple other younger kids going to big schools and getting getting ready for that pro ball scene. But the whole draft and whatnot, you know, there's just so many questions. Uh, but other than that, yeah, growing up in turlock, it's been the same for these guys. I'm well i it's been a little bit different for me. I grew up on uh, an almond farm. Um, it was hundred and twenty acres and uh my grand my grandparents on the land. my dad ended up taking over and our we had our house out there for fifteen years, so I grew up just you know doing whatever whenever kind of out there and I, I think that's that's really built who I am today is is just the work I saw around me and like, like you said yeah the industry around here is farming and a, a lot of a lot of labor whatnot and um I, I knew sports not necessarily I didn't want to do that but I, I I always stuck to sports while um while my family did that and then they you know they presented me so many opportunity and let me stick with it. And it's kind of, it's got me to where I am today. And I just want to keep up the hard work to be best player I can be. I guess that, that's how I'd say my background affected, uh, who I am today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were not drafted out of high school if I'm, if I'm correct. And then after I think your freshman year at Merced, uh, you know, Juco, you were picked in the 22nd round by, by the twins. Mm-hmm. What, uh, Give us an idea of what you were like as a baseball player then, and why you why you end up deciding not to sign with the twins,
2: yeah, so coming out of high school i did I didn't get any uh any looks, any offers, so I was just gonna go uh, get an AG degree at like President State. I had gotten yeah. in there. That was a plan, but um I wanted to keep playing baseball, and i I just needed the support around me, people to you know push me, and they did. My parents were behind that brother. And then all my teammates I played with along the way. But, uh, how, yeah, how that happened is I got in Juco and I just, I had a good arm. I started throwing hard and I didn't have much secondary. I didn't care at the time. I didn't focus on it. I wish, you know, I would have polished more, but all I cared about was throwing hard and that got me drafted. I saw I had some potential. Honed my craft a little bit more. I guess at the time I wasn't built for a starter, so I lost my job, went to the pin. And then started, <laughs> then I started touching like 97, 98. And that's when, uh, the Pirates took a, took a shot on me in, in the fifth of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And since it's, it's been a little bit of the same struggle. Like my first couple years, same thing. I was, I was just throwing hard, but I was throwing more strikes. Uh, it was getting turned around. I'll be the first, you know, to tell you that. And I, I know, I know looking back what it was. I didn't have a secondary pitch. I couldn't locate my fastball. I could just throw hard. And, after learning the hard way three years, posting back to back years with seven ERAs, I was like, you know, they're how many opportunities are they gonna give me? Yeah, I throw hard, but I gotta put it together. So I really locked in, took my off season as serious as I could, got in the best shape of my life and was throwing was throwing darts to spots with movement and then you know, just worked on one secondary pitch, didn't try to be a five pitch guy or four pitch guy out of the pen. And it's easier. <laughs> once yeah. if I found Breaking things down step by step and getting good, you got to do it. You know, you got to be good at it. Doing it slow for you can do it fast, and just putting together things that way, it, it made it made pitching fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so what, what was it like last year? You got the spring training, and you guys decided to, to sort of put together a, a sinker. A, you know, a little bit of a two-seamer. What is it like building a pitch? Did, did you have to start from scratch, or did you have a pretty good idea what you wanted to do with it and how you wanted to do it? It was just a matter of refining it.
2: No, it was more so starting from scratch because that year I finished in Bradenton with like a seven-seven-nine, and I know I was going to repeat IA, and I was like, you know, do do I want to have a big league career? Like, do I want to pitch in the big leagues? How bad do I want it? And so I'm like, okay, hey, I got to hit the drawing board, and I started tinkering with stuff. Um, I, well, I'm not going to credit myself entirely, but I went and, yeah, I needed to get some movement on my fastball. I was getting turned around all year. I was from 97 to 100. I, I was like, all right, what, what is it? So I get some movement on a pitch, and I'm just holding the two seam, because usually I threw four seams and uh, not great spin, nothing. So I actually ended up working with that, as I found out I don't spin it well. So if I grab a two seam, you know, spins on a spectrum, really high spin is great. Really low spin is great, but not good spin is bad, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I went with the low spin because that was best for me. It didn't change my velo and it was effective. I ran with that. Uh, I I brought that attention to my pitching coaches and yeah, they they with the freedom they gave me, Scott Mitchell and Mess, all they got Hannah hand, big part behind it is just letting me roll with that and trust and that'll put it together. And they only helped me. That's I think. I always say the Pirates, oh. spoil, they spoil me, but um, yeah. So that spring it was working. I had movement on my fastball. Now I just needed to work on a secondary pitch. And that's what Hanny beat into me is just stick to one, just stick to one grip. He's like, I don't, I don't care if you're, you know, if it's not good, if you don't think it's good, just stick to one grip. And then that helped because I got really good with one grip and now I can manipulate the ball just because the grip is so comfortable. So, I mean, it, and then once I got out there, I had the confidence of trust in, you know, my preparation and also, trust in my stuff, and it's fun pitching when you trust your shit and you throw hard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's I don't know. There's something exciting about especially this time of year, at spring training. There's something exciting about relievers because starting pitchers, it almost feels like there's this hierarchy they have to climb through to get to the majors, and it's really, really difficult, and you have to show it for a long period of time, and. Uh, for relievers, it's almost like, I don't know, if you can show something at, at single A and carry that to double A, carry that to triple A.
2: Yeah, you get some sick dudes in the pen quick. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you're not that far away. Not that far away at all. And it felt like that's where we were headed a bit this spring training. I know you eventually leave camp, but you had your opportunity in camp. You showed it. Our our good friend Pitching Ninja enjoyed every bit of your uh, your your strikeout strut. <laughs>
2: yeah, I had some antics. <laughs>
1: we even had Michael McKen Michael McHenry on one of the broadcasts. as pointed out by our our um, our MLB.com friend Adam Barry. He he called you Baby Thor it's in one of the broadcasts. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that experience was. Yeah, what what was that experience like for you? Not only being at camp, but being embraced the way you were with the, all the pitchers wearing the wigs and all that.
2: It was incredible how they took me in, and like every guy, you know, in that clubhouse, pretty much took me under their wing and let, let us have. Like, I think it was the whole management just gave us freedom, and all the guys, you know, there was no, there wasn't really a hierarchy. You guys weren't playing the vet card and like training room rules. It was, it was just a comfortable spring training. Everyone was having a good time. I mean, we may not have been playing the best ball, but like I said, we. We're just getting everyone together, new management, like things, things were gonna pan out, trust me. We were, we were just combing through it. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, like Derek Holland buying those wigs. That's the story I'll tell the rest of my <laughs> life. I just show up one day, they all got blonde hair, and like, that's the supportive move. They, they weren't clowning me. If they were, like, it was still, it was still awesome. I, I took it well, you know? And, uh, but I, I, I think it was a lot of good fun. I, they told me it was, uh, but, they're just such a cool camp.
0: I think the only person who really hates you in there is, is, is probably Kevin Kramer. He's pretty much made my <laughs> Yeah, he's,
2: <laughs> he's the hardest topic, but that's fair because I could throw a rock at his house right now or at his parents' house. <laughs> he, lives, he lives five minutes away, so we'll talk about it in Zurlock.
1: Well, before we, before we let you go, I, I um, threw the call out to Twitter for a couple of questions for you. And I brought back two very good ones, two very good questions. For one sure. from our, from our friend at the Post Gazette, Mike DeFabo. He said, uh, "Is it true that calling your fastball a quote heater adds three to five miles per hour to it?" And another way to ask that is, um, you know, other than calling it a two seamer, a four seamer, or just a fastball, what's what's the best term for a
2: fastball? Oh, I love terms for fastballs. Shane Bob's too, one of my <laughs> good buddies. I talk to him all the time. He'll call it hot sauce. We'll call it smoke, flames, bowling <laughs> balls. Um, you, it, it's so it's funny referring to fastball as different names. Heater's good too, but you, you hear that one a lot. I I don't think it adds any velo. But if you come up <laughs> with some more clever ones at the time, yeah, it'll it'll add some velo.
1: You let it cook, let it eat, all that yeah, stuff. Exactly. There's, there's so much this good stuff for just
2: junk for gas. And mm-hmm. the second question, and this is Throws a very good one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is from this is from Bobby. He asks Blake, "Who are your hair role models?"
2: Oh gosh, so yeah, I mean Noah syndergaard has got amazing hair. Tuck's got great hair. Th- those are definitely inspo's. Uh, there's actually a Fortnite character, the Mol- Marauder. He's got a blonde mustache, and I dyed my hair completely blonde now, and I dyed my mustache blonde. I look like a freak <laughs> walking around, but <laughs> until you talk to me, you know I'm I'm fairly normal. <laughs> but so I'd say it's a Fortnite character inspo, and just you know I'm not. I'm, why not? It, it's harmless. It's fun. I,
1: I was laughing this morning because I was scrolling back um, on your on your Instagram to see if there's anything interesting there. And you <laughs> have, I would say, as a younger, like a high schooler or college, you had like a very uh, farm boy, farm boy vibe, a lot of camo, a lot of, you know, hunting, all that, all that good stuff. And then you you were like, (laughs) you look like a, a surfer now. And I was curious, where did, (laughs) where was the, where was the turn there that you said, you know, let's, let's adopt some blonde hair and let's go for it.
2: Yeah. Um, for sure. No, I hear that a lot. And I, I think about that a lot is I kind of just contribute it to changing with the times and, you know, I, my girlfriend gets me out in the sun a lot, gets me on the beach a lot, and my lifestyle <laughs> has changed. I'm not, I don't hunt really anymore. I try to get out and fish as much as I can. We'll still yeah. go float the river, but yeah, my lifestyle is, you know, whipping around in an electric car and playing baseball in different cities now. So, it's, uh, yeah, I guess that's why this all happened. That's what <laughs> I'd say. It's when, it's when I met that girl. It's when I met my girlfriend. Really, she changed me the most. Yeah, In a good yeah. way though. For, for, like, I love this. this. It's been awesome. It's only been great. Do
0: you have a nickname, Blake? Do you go by anything? Because I, I was talking the other day with a guy who coached, um, Derek Shelton in college and his name is, he was introduced to me on first reference as Itch. Itch Jones. Hmm. And I thought, you well, know, when I was uh, – over the years, I've covered, like, a lot of different levels of ball. American Legion ball, high school ball, juco, college, major, minor. And I've dealt with oh guys Oh, wow. You've bumpy. heard it all, man. I have. I have seen it all, man. And if, I've dealt with guys <laughs> bumpy and smoky and now itchy. I mean – <laughs> Stinky. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably sure stinky. probably been a stinky. Especially Pons if you're going to be a ninth inning like, guy, you, you need a name. <laughs> you need a nickname. You need a persona. What's it going to be?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just leave that to – so whenever it happens, and right now, really, the only thing is just different variations of my last name, Seed, Cedar, you know. Mm-hmm. There's some other <laughs> ones I can't say that that, get called the <laughs> clubhouse. We'll
0: putting that in the back of the jersey for Players Weekend, for sure. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, those players, there's been some good Player Weekend names. Holy cow. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Oh. I like well, the I Rich Hill one
2: for the Dodgers.
0: Which one was that?
2: Uh I... Forget it exactly. You'd have to run a Google search on it.
0: can do that. I can do that. But well,
2: yeah, we'll, we'll do that another time, yeah.
0: <laughs> <It's> fun, <though. laughs> well, one last thing, too, is because I've had this problem this spring when I was writing a story about you. I had to go back and double-check it all because there's a, 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 a brew pub here in Pittsburgh called Cinderland's. And oh, that wow. I that I have frequented a time or two, huh. and I, I noticed that I did catch it just once though. in the story, I may reference to your, your name about a thousand times in there. But I just caught one <laughs> Cinderland, which <laughs> I thought was pretty good. But when you get yeah, here, close. we got to start talking some kind of endorsement deal, Cinderland for cinderland, right. <laughs>
2: for sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I we can collab with them for sure. <laughs> well, I get that a lot That's too. Awesome. People call me Cinderland, and I. I'm not the type of guy that corrects them if they say my name wrong. Like, I get a lot of weird stuff, but I'm always caught in that thing of, like, God, I tell them it's Cedarland or just let them keep calling me Cinderlin?" <laughs> I'm sure you get that with your last name, Rob, yeah?
0: I've gotten a, yeah? a, a time or two where, yeah, I've gotten Beer from Wald. That's okay. one of my favorites. So, yeah. <laughs> Could never fit on the back of a jersey either. I just got Rob a lot in the back of my jersey. <laughs>
2: yeah, Rob. So. That's good, cool,
0: yeah. Simple. Well Blake man, thank you so much for popping by the pod today man, and for for getting out in the sunshine and and bringing a little ray of central california sun <laughs> to all these folks yeah. back in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Though. This has been fun. I like just talking shop.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 catch you next whenever uh, spring training starts
2: back up, right? Yeah, for sure. Just Let me know.
0: Sooner or later, man. Outstanding. Thanks again, Blake. I Take care.
2: Sooner. Yeah, thanks for your guys time. Best wishes.
0: Well, before we let begins, go, we should probably talk a little bit, Stephen, about uh, some of the things that Ben Charrington talked about yesterday. That would have been Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on the 29th of April. I guess it's still April. Feels like it should be September by now, but I guess it's still only April. Um, baseball could come back sooner than later. He seemed to have a lot of... Buoyancy in his voice when he talked about the the possibility of of teams getting on a field and and playing a game that means something. So, you know, it, it was funny because right after we, he finished talking to us on a conference call, maybe fifteen minutes later, uh, Bobby, I believe it was Bobby Nightingale at USA Today, uh, bopped yep. a story about uh, the latest proposal or option or whatever you want to say with three 10 team divisions and uh, east central and west and playing in home ballparks that would be empty and then having playoffs and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, from, from where you sit, uh, do uh, do you share in this optimism? Do you, do you feel something? I kind of feel something growing toward the fact that, you know, that the, the possibility of guys getting back on the field. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I think I've since, um, I don't know, since the first week or so of this I felt more optimistic about baseball's chances than I have about say the NBA or the NHL finishing up their season. Just because of you have the whole summer and part of the fall at least to figure out uh how to get some games in. So, um, yes, every time they float one of these trial balloons it, it feels um I don't know. I think they make a little more sense every time they do it. First, it was Arizona only, and we're like, how the heck is that going to happen? Then it's like Arizona and Florida. All right. You could do a grapefruit cactus thing. And now this one. Yeah. It was, it was Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Um, you know, as, as always starts with kind of the, well, here's a, here's an idea might not work, but it could. <laughs> and then here's a three divisions, 10 teams in it. And it's going to involve, uh, playing in some home ballparks, which, yeah, that's what you want, right? I mean, it's, you want to be able to play in home ballparks, even if it doesn't mean that they are, uh, gonna have any fans in them. That's really not the top priority at this point. So, there is still a lot to figure out. They do feel more re- realistic as we go, and it also feels a little more realistic, I think, given, um, the fact that, uh, you know, the numbers are, are more encouraging maybe than we thought they were gonna be, or they were projected to be at this point. Um, uh, you know, pat everyone on the back for staying inside and, and everything, I think. Um, the numbers are, uh, headed in the right direction. I I am no expert, but it feels like there is some, um, some positive momentum. And so, yeah, if we can get our sports back, that would be, you know, that would be a, a wonderful thing as long as it can be done safely and be done in a way that's not going to be taking resources away from anybody else. It would be a, a really cool salve, I think, for the whole country, and uh, you know, people, the baseball might even win some fans over. Not that that's the important part. So <laughs> I am feeling a little more optimistic. It was you know an interesting timing yesterday with Charrington speaking, with that positivity, and then and that being followed by yeah. uh, by the breaking news. And the thing I don't know, Rob, is like, are, are these details, these ideas that are that are being discussed at the executive level, like, is that getting down to GMs, or is like I, I don't know if you know, is Charrington getting, getting feedback from people in the league office or, or is he just speaking on his own, you know, own sense of optimism?
0: No, the sense that he conveyed was that, um, that, that, you know, front office people are talking actively with, uh, with the owners, with the, with the people in the commissioner's office in New York, trying to, you know, come up with alternative solutions, possibilities, you know, options, call them what you will. And that there's a lot of people involved in this. And I would, you know, would think that's probably the best way to do it is to is to get you know input from a lot of different voices in, in all the markets because every market, you know, as we've seen during this whole thing, you know, every every state, every community, county has been hit differently. It's the same thing, but it's you know the the effects have been varying degrees, and, and the same kind of thing is true with these sports markets. You know, it's it's going to be more difficult to stage games in New York City than it will be to stage a, a game in. Maybe St. Louis, Missouri or, or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're getting inputs from all the different mar- markets. I would think that eventually though, obviously final decisions, the group that makes those calls would be a lot tighter. Um, and there's, you know, once, once you get past the, how about we do it this way or that way in terms of the logistics of, you know, venues and whatnot, then there's a whole other, there, well, there are several other levels of things that have to be considered from how is the television money broken up and with the player salaries and, and, you know, training staff and what about the families and what about this guy wants to have his personal fitness guy there to stretch him out in the morning or, you know, there's just all kinds of things that are going to have to be thrown about and, 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 and weighed on upon. So, you know, it, it's intriguing that they, you know, it's been said that they could get it off the ground by no later than, the, you know, like the 2nd or the 4th of July. Um, to be honest, that's a little sooner than I might have expected by a couple of weeks. One thing that, that Ben mentioned that I found intriguing was that um, he, he said he doesn't think the, a rebooted spring training would require as 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 much time as a normal spring training. So instead of six weeks, yeah. you're looking at three or four um, I think some of that's due to the fact that you're going to have big rosters, and maybe or maybe taxi squads or something like that. So you have a big pool of players, so nobody burns out, nobody gets hurt, that kind of thing. Um, but there's yeah. Uh, yeah a lot of things that have to be considered. And the thing is, though, that you know you have bigger rosters to prevent guys from getting injured, but that it, at the same time probably means that you need more people to supervise them and monitor their health. And that bring, you know, so that's just more, you know, you put people into the mix and it just, you know, it ratchets up the risk level another notch or two. Um, but I think that at the, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's, this is, you know, it's, this is not something that's going to, we're going to blink and it's, it's going to be gone. It's something that's going to be there for quite a while, apparently. And we're going to have to find ways to live with it and in spite of it. And this is a step toward that, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. It's an encouraging step. Again, this so much of this hinges on how quickly can we get um a ton of testing that's really like instant testing and I don't know the mechanics of it, but uh you're not going to have guys bussing around from, you know, uh, Pittsburgh to Philly to DC to wherever New York City um in these in these uh games unless you have a, a you know, a good amount of certainty that no one is is sick and not going to infect everybody cuz the, you know, the, the pretty worst case scenario that they're drawing up here is that uh, what, what happened to the NBA happens um, in baseball, and you so one guy gets it, and out of concern for everyone else getting it, they they shut things down. So we'll see. We'll see on all that. I, I think the bottom line, Rob, is that we have to accept this is going to be um, a season unlike any other, and I'm here for that. Like I, I, <laughs> I don't think baseball needed to have a huge shakeup, uh, but I think given the circumstances. Uh, yeah, we'd love to see some, some sports happening. We'd love to see baseball return. And this is an opportunity to do some interesting things with it, whether that's, you know, 100 games, 120 games, double headers, um, you know, a little bit of new stuff, a little bit of old stuff probably to, to patch this one together. But I think, you know, as long as it's safe, uh, this could be a really, really, I think a fun year and a year where as the more you shorten it, the more chance everybody has of, of, uh, being a Cinderella. So, um I think it could be a really fun year for baseball mm-hmm. I agree
0: well, that will wrap it up for today. Hope you just enjoyed listening to uh to Blake Cedarland slash or out there in california <laughs> and uh you know hang in there, stay inside, be safe. We'll talk to you in a minute.